You're good. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Roughing the Podcast. We are one day away from football, people. I could not be more excited. I'm not a big preseason guy, but the fact that there is a football game being played between two NFL teams tomorrow means that the season is right around the corner. I'm pumped. Devin, are you as pumped as I am? I am. I'm not a big preseason guy either, but I do watch the games just because I need some dose of football because it's been too long. It's been since February since we've had anything. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I am excited. It It just shows us how close it is. It's within our reach. We're about a month away from the start of regular season because uh, it's the week after Labor Day. So almost a month to the day, I think a month from tomorrow or something like that is going to be the start of the season. And I could not be more excited for it. Cody, we've got a good episode for everybody out there listening, don't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, we had plenty of news go down this week as training camps ramped up and we're going to get into some quarterback rankings and I'm sure some miscellaneous conversations on Lord knows what, but uh, yeah, it should be a good episode. And I want to start with perhaps the biggest news of the week, uh, and that is that the uh, the prosecutor or the person appointed to oversee Deshaun Watson's case handed down a six-game suspension, uh, but the NFL was not satisfied with that, so they are appealing basically to themselves to make the extension longer. I think this there's something wrong with this process, but I definitely see a reason for him to get more than six games. Yeah, I uh, I would agree with you. I actually saw a picture not too long ago. I think it was a couple of days ago, um, and it was essentially just a bunch of other suspensions that have been handed out by the league and like. Calvin Ridley was on there and he got 17 games at a minimum for betting on his own team to win a game when he wasn't even playing. So they're, they certainly take a stand on some things and don't show quite as forceful of a, a stand or a hand in, in other things. And I think this is one of those situations where they're not really forcing their hand too much, but they did appeal it. So they disagree with the six-game suspension, so they think it should also be more. This is kind of why it's at the third party, because the NFL wasn't really doing a good enough job with their suspension process, NFLPA and players, and pretty much everybody that watches the NFL thought that they were doing a bad job with their suspensions. So they gave it a third party, and that judge gave six games. NFL disagrees. It will be appealed. As far as the actual appeal process. I don't know what that looks like. I'm not sure on a timeline. We might find out later in this episode. We'll probably look while we're trying to talk about other things and, and get that figured out. But I mean, nonetheless, my, my understanding dev is that basically Roger Goodell either can make it, make the ruling himself or he can appoint anybody he wants to make the ruling. So he can just say, no, we're going to suspend him indefinitely or for a season or whatever. Uh, and unfortunately, kind of the news, the talk, the insider reports that I've been reading today uh, have really said that this could cast a cloud over the beginning of the NFL season because once that ruling gets handed down, it's likely to, like, either Deshaun Watson or the NFLPA or both are likely to sue the league. And then I think that that beginning of the football season is really going to be clouded over by this lawsuit. Um well, and and if that if that is how it works, Deshaun Watson or the NFLPA could then themselves appeal that suspension, and that would just take it even further into the legal process of all of that. So Deshaun Watson could see the field in Week One if the appeals last long enough, because it took so long for this decision to be made. Yeah. Um, either way, I think that the NFL, Roger Goodell, Deshaun Watson are going to see a lot of courtroom time. Uh, in the coming months, uh, which will take away from the football season. I mean, I do think Watson deserves to be punished, but I'd like to just see it happen so we know kind of what his outlook is going forward. Um, the good news is, I guess, for him, he somehow talked the Browns into giving him a contract that really isn't hurt by missing time this year. So good for him, I guess. Um, Devin, the Broncos just have bad luck. That they do, Cody. 
another wide receiver gets hurt in the preseason. And unfortunately, Tim Patrick tore his ACL and will be out for the year, taking away a target um, on what is thought to be one of the better offenses in the AFC. And a lot actually favored the Broncos to win the division. So this will be an interesting um, thing to see how it plays out for Russell Wilson and the Broncos because Tim Patrick was that wide receiver three. And a lot of, I mean, I personally thought that, I mean, he would be on the outside and two wide receiver sets with Cortland Sutton because he's definitely the bigger guy over Jerry Judy. Cortland Sutton and him are like the big throw up 50-50 balls, red zone guys, and Jerry Judy's more of a slot receiver. So Jerry Judy will probably see some more time on the outside this year as a result of this. Um, and Russell Wilson's obviously going to suffer a little bit because Tim Patrick's obviously good red zone slash deep target. But yeah, I mean, we really saw Tim Patrick come into his own last year with Judy missing some time. And, um, and, uh, a lot of reports coming out of their, uh, team activities and training camp said that, uh, Patrick and Russell Wilson were really building a lot of chemistry. So I think it is definitely a big weapon loss for Russ, but they still have plenty. I mean, you mentioned Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton, Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon. There's still plenty of weapons on that offense to, um, to make use of, but definitely a big loss. And we wish him the best in his recovery and look forward to seeing him back on the field next year. Yeah, absolutely. They also have an Albert O and Greg Dolchich at, Dolchich at tight end. So, both are good pass catchers, and there's still a bunch of weapons there. Next, we've got DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel both signed contracts. This is big. This is big for fantasy and for, obviously, these two two guys and their teams. Cody, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, as a Bears fan that was looking at a nice wide receiver uh, free agent class next year and a lot of salary cap space, it kind of sucks to see but um these guys both sign really nice extensions um dk i believe signed for a little bit more which is interesting i feel like um with as valuable as debo showed himself in that offense last year while dk kind of took a step backwards i felt like um that maybe it's like half a million dollars more yeah it was it was a small amount but um good for both of these guys i mean they both obviously showed that they're going to be now the faces of their respective offenses going forward. Um, hopefully DK can find him somebody to throw the ball and um, hopefully Kyle Shanahan can uh, integrate Debo successfully into the new Trey Lance offense. Yeah, absolutely. Debo and DK both look to be the face of that, of their respective franchises from here on out. Um, another guy that's, looking for a contract is doing a hold in Deontay Johnson wide receiver for the Steelers. Um, how does, how does this affect your, your thoughts on Deontay heading into the season, Cody? Devin, can you give me a little bit more background? I have to admit, did not follow the story very much, but I'm assuming you know a little bit more about it being where your fandom lies. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's at mandatory training camp. Obviously, that's to avoid getting fined, everything like that, new outlines. Um, So he's doing what they call a hold-in. He is showing up for practices, but he is doing individual practice rather than practicing with the team at this point until a contract situation can get done, if it gets done. Um, I know Omar Khan, the Steelers GM, has said that he wants Deontay Johnson to be there long-term. And I think they have started talks. I just don't think that they're in the same boat right now. I'm guessing Deontay probably thinks that he's worth just as much as DK, Terry McLaurin, and Debo Samuel have all signed contracts for. And given what we've seen on the field, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. He's obviously a great wide receiver, and I think he's worth a good amount of money. I just don't think it's $25 million a year good. I think it's more like 15 to 17 a year. So maybe like a three-year $50 million contract would be a little bit better or 45 or somewhere in that range is what I see him as because he has been productive over these last couple of years, but not in that tier of talent in my opinion. But typically if a contract is not done at the start of the season with the Steelers, they, they cease all talks and they wait until the off season. That's just how they've done business. Now I'm not sure if that's exactly how they'll do it 
now with a new GM and everything like that, but ownership hasn't changed. Coaching staff hasn't changed. So I imagine it'll probably be pretty similar to what um, Kevin Colbert's era looked like or regime looked like for the Steelers. Speaking of Steelers coaching staff, uh, Mike Tomlin tells the media not to read into the fact that they're giving Kenny Pickett exclusively second team reps at this point, um, saying that they shouldn't read into it, but he's sure they will. Devin, are you reading into it at all? Not a whole lot. Um, even even when Big Ben came in, Tommy Maddox was our quarterback in 2004. And then he got hurt, and Big Ben had to step right in. But Big Ben did not start the season as the Steelers quarterback. And he was drafted 10th overall. Are we already comparing Kenny Pickett to Ben Roethlisberger? No, not not at all. But here's the thing. Ben Roethlisberger is obviously better than what people expect Kenny Pickett to be. And he came into the league and wasn't a starter for this team. The Steelers have had three coaches since like the 1970s. They're not they're not a team that changes their ways very easily, and I don't see that happening this year. They don't want Kenny Pickett to be the starter week one. Obviously, if he goes out there and shows that he's better than Mason Rudolph and Mitch Trubisky, they'll start him because he's the better quarterback. But ideally, they want him to ease his way into the NFL, make him sit a year, possibly two, behind Trubisky or Rudolph, whoever wins that job to develop and let the game come to him rather than throwing him into the deep end with all the sharks around him and letting the game fly around him. It's not, it's not beneficial for a lot of rookie quarterbacks for that to happen. So I, I personally see Trubisky starting the season for the Steelers. I think they just want to ease Kenny Pickett and at least give him some second team reps because they're going to want to play him a healthy amount in the preseason. I love the analysis. Um, any other news stick out to you this week, though? Um, Ryan Jensen, the center for the Buccaneers, is out for the year with a knee injury. Um, this is obviously big. I mean, you've got the oldest quarterback in the league sitting behind center, and now you've got one of the best centers in the league who is no longer playing for them this year, and their backups aren't really that stellar. I mean, they're backup centers, but I don't know. Um, the Bucks are going to find a way to deal with this and get around it. It just definitely hurts a little bit. Um, Brady's probably not super happy, but they'll figure it out. I'm sure. Um, another one, James Washington wide receiver for the Cowboys. Um, I don't know exactly what he hurt. It might've been, I feel like it was his elbow or his shoulder shoulder for some reason, but he is out six to 10 weeks. Um, that's big because now CD lamb, Cody, get this CD lamb is the only active wide receiver for the Cowboys who has scored an NFL touchdown. I mean, that's a crazy thing to think about. I mean, there's a lot of, like, wide receiving cores right now on paper that really just don't seem that strong. Yeah, I mean, they have Jalen Tolbert, who I think is a great late-round pickup in fantasy drafts, at least now, especially with James Washington out, because it's CeeDee Lamb and Dalton Schultz and then Jalen Tolbert. Um, And then you've got Noah Brown and Dennis Houston as the next wide receivers up. There's not a lot of wide receiver talent on this team. Um, so you're really going to be leaning on your other skill positions in Elliott, Lamb, Schultz, Pollard, and Dak to get the job done for them. Um, and obviously rookie Jalen Tolbert. But we'll see how that goes. Um, just thought it was worth mentioning. Yeah, um, absolutely. Any- I mean, I mean, you look at, I mean, there can't be that many touchdowns or that many people with touchdowns on, like, the Falcons wide receiving core right now. Uh, no, there probably isn't that many. Even, even like, the Colts. I mean, Michael Pittman obviously got his share last year, but Paris Campbell spent most of his career hurt, uh, mm-hmm. and he's their clear number two. Um, Ashton Dolan might be their number three. I don't know that he has any touchdowns. So there's a couple of those wide receiver rooms that definitely need to find some guys to come out and really prove themselves this year um one interesting note to me um is well first i'll touch on your ryan jensen point dev uh i believe that's all three interior linemen last year so the center and both guards for the buccaneers on that great offensive line of theirs that they no longer have this year i know they replaced they got Shaq mason and i know they replaced the other guard as well but uh, definitely some change up front that 
hopefully uh, they've been able to get some reps in in training camp to build some cohesiveness within that unit. Um, the last question that I'll ask in our little news segment here is, um, are you surprised at all that Trevor Lawrence isn't seeing any reps in his new offense tomorrow night in the Hall of Fame game? Not really. Um, there's a lot that goes into practicing. Honestly, the Hall of Fame game is one of the weaker like preseason games. There's not a whole lot that goes on. It's obviously kind of just for show, kick off the season, all of that kind of stuff. Honestly, I, I bet we see a little bit in week two for Trevor Lawrence and the Jags, and then maybe like the first half of the game in week three. They're not going to play him a whole lot. They obviously want to keep him healthy because pretty much the whole team relies on him to be healthy and, and do decent this year for them to have any sort of success. And I'm not quite sure how they would define the term success down there in Jacksonville because it's not a whole lot of wins, but... um. Not not super surprised. I mean, if you look at any team, they're probably not going to be starting a lot of their major players week one. Pittsburgh might, at least quarterback wise, but that's because there's a competition going on. Uh, yeah, I like, feel like you. I feel like competitions, and I mean, I don't know, especially with the shortened preseason now. I feel like in a new system like that, in a team that clearly needs to build something, uh, mm-hmm. you would expect them maybe for a drive or so, but keep them healthy. We'll see what next week brings. Devin, should we transition to the meat of this episode? Yeah, I, th- I think we should. Let's uh, let's kick it off with the top 10 quarterbacks. Cody, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I can't remember who did it last week. I can go first. Um, to All me, right. number one is pretty clear. Um, there's only two guys in the last 10 years who have been QB1 in fantasy twice. And one guy has done it the last two years. I think he'll do it again this year. His name is Josh Allen. Um, Great offense um, in a division with the Jets and the Dolphins that don't really have great defenses. Um, But all those weapons, Beasley, Davis, Diggs, Knox, uh, weapons in the backfield. He's versatile. We know what he can do running the ball. He has a great arm. Um, Everything you would want in a quarterback all the all the opportunities to make big plays. I see no reason why Josh Allen doesn't repeat as QB one this year. Yep, I am in the same boat for the exact same reasons. Tons of weapons, a lot of talent there. Um, got a new weapon in James Cook in the backfield, so hopefully that helps on like third down, wide receiver or running back screens, stuff like that. Um, no reason to go any different direction here. Josh Allen's the clear wide rece- or quarterback one. This year, at least in drafts, um, may not finish it, but who knows? You really don't know. Um, Justin Herbert is my number two. I feel like he's probably going to be your number two. He's seeming like a consensus in that spot. Um, Also, just great weapons around him. Has shown a lot of talent these last couple of years. Um, Has the rookie record for most passing touchdowns by a rookie um, quarterback. So, I mean, there's... There's not a lot of negatives when you when you say the name Justin Herbert. Very valid point, Steph. Uh, so for my number two, I'm going to go with a Justin, but I'm going to go with Justin Herbert. Who am I kidding? Uh, Justin Herbert, like you said, Devin, a lot of people are predicting a huge breakout year for him. Uh, their defense got better, which is going to allow him to be on the field more with Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, um, and, again, another versatile playmaking guy uh, in a high-scoring division. Uh, I have Herbert. I agree. I have Herbert as my number two. Um, At my number three, this one was tough, um, but I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Uh, He loses Tyreek Hill, but... He is still the definition of a playmaker. Uh, there's another guy. My number four was close, but the difference between Patrick Mahomes is he doesn't have the uh, running game that my number four guy has. So I like Mahomes at three. I think that he'll be put in positions to score on his feet, make plays on his feet, but also we see all the kinds of plays that he can make in the air. And I think with Travis Kelsey, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, Sky Moore, uh, he'll be able to make the plays that he needs again in that high-powered AFC West. 
Yeah, um, I'm no different there. So our top three are going to be the exact same. I got Patty Mahomes as my number three. It's really no different. I mean, he's got some weapons, obviously not as good of weapons as he had last year, but there are some talented wide receivers that we've seen have some production in the NFL, and you still have Travis Kelsey there. Patrick Mahomes is going to find a way to get somebody the ball and get somebody in the end zone. It's just what he does. My number four. I don't know if we're going to have the same one, Cody. I'm a little bit, a little bit nervous about this one, but my number four quarterback just got paid a whole lot. There's been a lot of criticism about him getting paid a whole lot, um, but I'm going to go with Kyler Murray. Um, wow. Despite... DeAndre Hopkins being gone for the first six weeks. I think there's still a lot of talent around him and he still gets it done on the ground. We've seen that. I mean, he was an MVP candidate for the first seven weeks last year before the whole team kind of fell apart. If they come out hot like that and actually carry it through the entirety of the season, Kyler Murray could be the quarterback one by the end of the year. And Cody, you'll be wishing you put him at number four in your quarterback rankings. Who you got? I mean, Kyler burned me so much last year, and he, I mean, I feel like they don't rely on him enough uh, consistently in the red zone. They've got James Conner taking away his the touchdown aspect in the red zone from him, and I saw, we both saw, we both sat in a podcast, I believe, and talked about how horrendous he looked in that playoff game um, without DeAndre Hopkins, and without DeAndre Hopkins for the first stretch of the season I just don't see it needless to say at my number four I don't have Kyler Murray I have Joe Burrow um again a guy who really cannot ask for any better weapons between uh Tyler Boyd T Higgins Jamar Chase I mean wow um he should have a lot more time this year to sit in the pocket and find those talented receivers down the field um he's got a great running back to take some of the pressure off of him um that ability to rely on the run game is why I didn't have him at three. Um, but it's hard to deny that he is in one of the most talented. He's the head man in one of the most talented offenses in football. Um, and I see him putting up big numbers this year in that offense. Okay. Okay. I see the reasoning. Who's your number five? Number five. I'm between two guys. But I think, again, we assume health here, and I think we I have to go with Lamar Jackson. Um, we see what he can do on the ground. We, I know that he his weapons aren't necessarily – I mean, who does he got at wide receiver? It's a great question. But um, the way that that team relies on him to do literally everything, uh, usually when they score, he has something to do with it. Um, assuming he can stay healthy for a full year, I think he puts up great numbers and uh, sneaks into the um, top five QBs just on his legs and just overall playmaking ability and his him the fact that he's the center of that offense in every way. All righty. Um, not too far off with my Lamar take, um, but my number five is going to be Joe Burrow. Um, especially my list was a lot different, um, last week when I was kind of giving it some thought and it's changed a lot since then, especially given all the news we've already talked about. Um, especially yesterday's news with Tim Patrick getting injured. That definitely had an impact on my rankings, but Joe Burrow's number five here. They're obviously, they have a great offense. They're going to find ways into the end zone. I would have him probably at like three or four if they played at a decent pace and, didn't have Joe Mixon in the backfield running the ball, taking away a share of those plays that they're going to run. Um, but I still like him. He's still top five guy for me. He's going to be productive. He's going to get you points. I'm just hoping it's a little bit more consistent than it was last year because a lot of the Bengals players were actually inconsistent when you look at it on the year, especially when it comes to like wide receiver production, stuff like that. And all of that has a direct impact on Joe Burrow's production. And then my number six is going to be Lamar Jackson. Like you said, he's going to be the center of this offense. They're going to throw the ball a little bit, and Mark Andrews and Rashad Bateman are going to get their fair share of some targets, but it's not going to be a lot. And with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards questionable to even start the year, 
this offense is literally going to be Lamar Jackson and then some Mark Andrews, and that's pretty much it. Lamar Jackson is going to run the ball so many times, he might break his own record for rushing yards in a season by quarterback. And rushing touchdowns, for that matter. So, he'll be great, especially if you're playing in a league that's four-point touchdowns. Lamar Jackson goes up even more um, than higher than number six. Probably to four for me in that format. But in six-point touchdown format, single QB, Lamar Jackson will be number number six for me. Cody, who you got at six? Um, I think I'm going to surprise you, Dev, with my next two uh, picks. Um, at six... Y'all done forgot. There's a guy here who, if he was mobile at all, I think would be much higher on both of our lists, but he's not mobile at all, but he still puts up numbers. He led the league in passing yards and passing touchdowns last year. That would be a man named Tom Brady. Um, We just talked last week. He got Julio Jones. He's still got Mike Evans. He's got Chris Godwin. He's got uh, Gage, Russell Gage. Scoop Miller still, um, Kyle Rudolph, Cameron Brait could have Gronk at some point. Still got Fournette in the backfield. He's got a good offensive line, a good defense, great head coach. Um, as long as age doesn't catch up with him, which it seems like he's consistently winning that race, I see no reason why Brady doesn't put up great numbers again this year. I have him as my QB6. QB7. Another guy who I just feel like no matter what you do to bring him down, He's still going to get his. The back-to-back reigning MVP, Aaron Rodgers. I am shocked. All right. Okay. I, I hate I hate to do it uh, as a Bears fan. Obviously, Rodgers is not one of my favorite people in the world. But it's hard to deny that he can make something out of nothing. Um He's got that Brady-like quality other than Adams. He doesn't necessarily have these guys that are just like super athletes at receiver, but he still finds guys, um, whether it be his running backs, his tight ends, and Alan Lazard. Um, And he's in a defense where he can pick on a depleted Bears defense. He can pick on a Lions defense that's not good. Um, He's in an easy division, and I think that he's still got all the talent in the world to put up. Uh, top seven quarterback numbers. I mean, I agree that he's a very, very talented person. It's just the weapons around him are fairly unproven outside of Aaron Jones. Even, I mean, AJ Dillon has shown us what he can do, but he done it. He did, he's done it for one season. Can he do it multiple seasons? That's something that's difficult to do in the NFL. So I believe AJ Dillon can, but Christian Watson has been injured to start training camp. He's not getting the reps with, Aaron Rodgers and historically rookie wide receivers don't do anything with Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't throw the ball to them. And now he's going to have to this year outside of Alan Lazard. It's Christian Watson. So I, I have some, I'm, I'm pretty skeptical on Aaron this year. I don't think he three peats MVP. I don't think it happens. There's too many other talented people, um, especially in the quarterback position to have that happen with the weapons that Aaron Rodgers has at his disposal. Um, and I think that definitely hinders his fantasy production, and I don't see him. I don't even have him in my top 10. Wow. I mean, that's surprising. I agree that he doesn't. I don't think he'll repeat MVP, but I think that he'll still get his touchdowns and his yards just because he's going to have to. Otherwise, that team is just not going to be good, and he's still got the talent to make sure that that happens one way or another, I feel like. But I respect the take. Um, I believe you're up for seven. Number seven, I have your number six, six, Tom Brady. Um, it did impact a little bit with the center injury with Ryan Jensen. I think Tom Brady will end up having more sacks this year because of it. Um, it obviously adds a couple, not too many. But the news of Chris Godwin potentially being back earlier than expected, the signing of Julio Jones, you still got Mike Evans there, and you add Kyle Rudolph. I mean, there are some major weapons for Tom Brady to get the ball to, and he will find a way to do it. There's no doubt in my mind about that. He obviously led the league in yards and touchdowns last year. I don't see him leading in both of those, potentially one, um, maybe touchdowns, something like that. But um, he doesn't have the rushing ability like almost all of the other quarterbacks on my list. Um, 
ahead of him and behind him, but his quarter his touchdown production is still going to be there. The offense likes to throw the ball. So he's, he's going to find a way to be in that top 10 quarterbacks for sure. My number eight, I did have above Tom Brady until Tim Patrick got hurt. So I've got Russell Wilson at eight, just behind Brady. I think the Tim Patrick injury is a little bit, it has more of an effect on Russell Wilson than a lot of people are thinking, in my opinion. I think Tim Patrick was going to be a huge red zone target, and now they just have Cortland Sutton in the red zone. Maybe Albert O, but we still haven't seen a ton of production out of him in the NFL. So you could see more rushing touchdowns going the way of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams because of Tim Patrick being injured. They don't want to throw the ball a ton in the red zone anymore. I don't know. Um, but I still think he's got so many weapons behind him. He's still going to find the end zone. He's still going to get the passing yards and he's still going to be productive at the position. So Russell Wilson, eight for me. I'm going to surprise you again, Dev. Uh, oh my. My number eight. Same division as your number eight, but not the same team. Uh, and considering we both have two, uh, two guys in that division already gone. That makes it pretty clear that my number eight quarterback is Mr. Derek Carr. To be a good fantasy quarterback, you need yards and you need touchdowns. And I think that this man has arguably one of the top two or three most talented offenses in the league. Uh, Devontae Adams is going to be a touchdown machine. Darren Waller is going to be a touchdown machine. Uh, Let's not count out Hunter Renfro. They've got a solid running game in Josh Jacobs. Um, I think that being in the division that they're in, they're going to be in a lot of high-scoring games, and that's going to be able to inflate his numbers. And I think the fact that they um, weren't that they finished second, so they don't have to play that first-place schedule in the AFC. They get the second-place schedule. Um, it's hard to deny such a talented offense in my book. Uh, and so I think Derek Carr could put up top 10 QB numbers. Okay. I agree. Derek Carr is a great quarterback. He's a solid NFL team leader. He's got good talent. He's got more talent around him than he ever has. But here's the thing. Derek Carr has topped 24 touchdowns three times in his career. His highest touchdown is 32 in a season. He's averaging like 23 on average in his career. I, I mean, I think personally, I think you need like 35 to be a top 10 quarterback. 40 overall touchdowns, 35 to 40 overall touchdowns. That's like, that's literally like 12 more than his average is. You think he goes up that many touchdowns this year? I mean, dude was fringe. He was QB 12 last year, Dev. He needs to, he needs to pass two guys. And his offense got better than most guys' offense did. I, I, I don't know, man. Lamar Jackson wasn't himself last year. He was behind him. You've got, who else was behind him? Russell Wilson was behind him. He's definitely better this year. Yeah, I mean, you and I, I are going to agree to disagree on Russell Wilson, and I can I, talk about that. Um <laughs> I think I have talked about it before. I need I need a show me year out of that offense before I buy into it, especially now that they lose one of their better weapons. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge – I'm not buying into that Russell Wilson hype yet. But um, So he's my number eight. Um, my number nine, uh, you still got a guy on your list who I haven't said yet, and I'm still not going to say him. Um <laughs> Wow, I, I'm my number nine. I'm gonna go Matt Stafford again. Um, Cooper Cup is a touchdown machine. Cooper Cup is a yardage machine. Um, he's got, I think, I think a more reliable running game, which will help open up his offense. Uh, Allen Robinson can make big plays in the end zone for him. Um, I think he really had a coming out party last year. Uh, he was QB six. Uh, I don't see any reason that he would fall off. I think their defense is just as good. Uh, we'll keep him on the field just as much. Um, I see another uh, career type year for Stafford now that he's found a good fit in that Rams offense. Yeah, I don't mind that. I have 
I have Jalen Hurts at nine, though. Gets an upgrade in the offense. He's got A.J. Brown there. Um, they're obviously going to try to throw the ball a little bit more. You don't go out and get A.J. Brown to run the ball a ton. I don't think they liked what they saw out of Miles Sanders last year. Miles Sanders didn't even find the end zone last year. Jalen Hurts is a rushing quarterback. He's going to add ground yards, not to mention he's just going to be a better passer than he was last year. I mean, he was still like the quarterback 10 last year, nine or 10. So I don't, I don't, I don't see that changing this year. Um, especially given the upgrades he's found in on his team. And then my number 10 is your number nine in Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford had like 42 touchdowns last year. He's not going to do that again. He was the quarterback four or five. I think if I'm not mistaken last year, um, I do see a drop in production with Cam Akers coming back. You still got Daryl Henderson. As long as those two, those two back to stay healthy, I could see them doing a committee and both of them are going to get their touchdowns. So I think that pulls a little bit of Matt Stafford's two yard touchdowns that he threw last year, especially, um, with Robert Woods out of the picture. Yes, you do have Allen Robinson and I think he will be productive, but I see maybe 30 to 35 touchdowns out of Stafford this year. And I think that puts him right at the cusp of top 10. So I like Stafford at 10 Cody who you got to round us out. I got Kyler Murray. Okay. At least you put him in your top 10. Jeez. Um, yeah, I mean, I think he's too talented and he's too much of a playmaker in that offense. And he does get Hopkins back partway through the year, pair Hopkins with Hollywood Brown and Zach Ertz and that offense. Um, I think he'll be able to move the ball and he'll be at the center of it. He'll get his rushing touchdowns. He'll get his passing touchdowns. Um, like you said, he was QB one through the first several weeks of last season. Um, I look for him to make a splash again. Um, so yeah, Dev, I mean, we had eight of our 10 guys, the same, uh, you took Jalen hurts and Russell Wilson to my Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers. I don't mind it. Um, I think a guy that you and I both have said that we liked who fell out of both of our top tens is cousins. Uh, was he just outside of your top 10? He's at like 13 or 14 for me. Um, I would say my next five, I'm not sure where I would put them in it are Prescott, Lance Rogers, cousins and Carr. Whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So I have also seen all these rankings now that it, now that they've committed to the Trey Lance era. So you're telling me that you've got a guy who has never start. Did he even start any games last year? Two, I think. He started two games, and you're committing to him to be a top half quarterback in fantasy. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo did it, and Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't run the football. The, here's the thing. The 49ers don't rely on deep throws. The 49ers get the ball out of their quarterback's hands quickly, and they make them easy throws. They let their receivers and their pass catchers do the work for them. They've got Debo Samuel and George Kittle, not to mention Brandon Ayuk, who's great with the ball in his hands. They've got like five different running backs that I can't name off the top of my head who can make plays. And then you've got Trey Lance's rushing ability, which is just... The upside for Trey Lance is crazy, in my opinion. So I see a, a floor of top 15 for sure. Okay. Jimmy Garoppolo was a top half quarterback once, and they had the best defense in the league that year. Um, I'm not I'm not uh, putting a whole lot of stock into that. But Just add rushing ability to Jimmy Garoppolo, add six rushing touchdowns, whatever it is. Look, the – Trey Lance had 120 rushing yards in two starts last year. You could just say he gets 50 rushing yards a game. There's 17 games in the year that he's going to play. That's a crazy amount of rushing yards. Not to mention, that's just on the bottom. Devin, let me ask you something. What? Um, while we're on that topic. How bad... I guess, do you think that depending on how bad the 49ers start the season, they could switch back? And how bad do you think they would need to be to switch back? They would have to be very, very bad for that to happen. I I don't see that happening. I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers to start the season. I, don't, I think things are shaking. Uh, things are kind of pretty shaken out to where I don't know if anybody's – I don't know if they're going to get rid of him by the start of the season. But um, – I mean, here, here's, here's my thing. 
we saw the same thing a little bit with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. He played a few, he started a few more games than Trey Lance did. Um, but he, let's see here, 170 attempts, 99 completions. That's probably like six ish games. He ran or he threw six touchdowns and had three interceptions. On top of that, he had a 4.7 yards per carry, uh, almost 700 rushing yards and five touchdowns. I see similar things with Trey Lance. I don't know that he beats Lamar Jackson's record by any means, but even half of that record, the record's 1,206 yards and seven touchdowns. You give Trey Lance 600 yards and three, four touchdowns on the ground, not to mention you've got playmakers like George Kittle and Debo Samuel who are projected to be top players at their positions, and you're going to sit there and tell me that Trey Lance isn't going to be a top 15 quarterback. Cody? Mm. To me, I mean, it's a prediction, but to me it's just a little unproven. Um, I okay. mean, you look, at, you look at a guy like Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman Trophy in college. Trey Lance wasn't a finalist for that award. Trey Lance played for North Dakota State which is in the FCS. Look, man. While we're on the topic of quarterbacks, Robert Saleh said today that Joe Flacco is a starting quarterback in the league, and he's really, really talented. Okay. I love everybody's large sense of optimism in their guys. I fully love that you're just willing to go out there and support your quarterback if it's your coach or your receiver, and if you're a quarterback, you're willing to support your receiver. I just love it. But I think you guys are inflating people's egos a little bit too much here. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's coach speak in camp. There's there's a lot of that going around. It happens every single year. You just got to weed through it and sort through it and figure it out. And, I mean, I think he's actually outperformed Zach Wilson in this camp. But I'm sure that's, so that's probably Salah's way of saying, yeah, he's, you're right. Like, we have to acknowledge that he is performing really well, but also like not start him because Zach Wilson's our guy that we have to lean you on. You invested in Zach Wilson. You got to let him develop a little bit. Right. Um, Devin, just another point here. Um, another reason why, uh, the, why I had Kyler Murray a little bit lower in my list than you is that there's a nice statistical study. And, you know, I was a statistic major in college done that after, uh, so a new Call of Duty game usually drops every fall, and there's these bonus weekends where you get double points on weekends. And on those weekends, Kyler Murray's passer rating, yards per game, completion percentage, and the team's record drops. And, you know, they took out the video game clause out of his contract or the vi- so he doesn't need to watch, so he can just play all the Call of Duty he wants. And when he does that, his numbers go down. The numbers don't lie. Uh, so I don't quite have him as high as you do, but I think he'll still perform. All right, Cody, counter argument to that. How many yards per game is he losing on average? Still going down. Okay, but how many yards? A few. Like five? <laughs> yeah, it's like five yards, Cody. Uh, that's not affecting his fantasy output. Five yards. There's also probably a reason that touchdowns isn't on the list because he's probably not going down in touchdowns. Probably because they actually have a losing record during those weekends, which means they're playing from behind, which means they're throwing the ball more, which means Kyler Murray is getting more fantasy points. We need to do it. We need to do the fantasy point study on the Call of Duty weekend. <laughs> try to try to build the man's legacy back up a little bit. All right, Cody. Um, here, I got I got a little bit of a, a game for you. I want you to give me your top five fantasy rookies this year. Is Kenny Pickett cheating? No, I, I would say no, because we don't even know if he's going to start the year or play at all for that matter. So if you if you want to throw Kenny Pickett in there, but let's let's do this. It's redraft, and these are the top five rookies that you're looking at drafting in redraft leagues. 
or the top five rookies that you think it will be worth drafting? Um, in no particular order. Is that okay, or do you do I need an order? That's fine. That's fine. Um, Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Because I mean, to me, those guys have very clear chances of being number one receivers on their teams. Mm-hmm. Um, ah. Uh, the Christian Watson injury scares me away from saying him, but I like him. Um, I'd like to know a little bit more about Jamison. I think Jamison Williams could be great too, but he's coming off that ACL or torn. Here, I'll, like I'll give you this. He's most likely to start on the NFI list, which means he won't even be available until November. Yeah, so I think might look at him as a waiver wire ad, but not like a top whatever. Um, Brees Hall. We'll see. I'm a Michael Carter fan. We've discussed this before, um, but they took him where they took him for a reason. Um, and with Chris Carson retiring, probably Kenneth Walker. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind that at all. Um, what I did have a problem with is a particular fantasy guy. I'm not going to name him. I feel like that's rude. I won't call him out. Was it Matthew Barry? No, it is not Matthew Barry. He does work for NFL, though. So not ESPN or anything like that. But he had his top five rookies come out. People are probably going to Google this. So it's Adam Rank. Um, and his top five rookies, in order of how he thinks they're going to finish the fantasy season. Number one, Brees Hall. I don't have an issue with that. He could easily be the number one rookie out of this class for fantasy production. Then he's got Drake London. No issue there because I think Drake London and Kyle Pitts are the only two targets uh, for Marcus Mariota in that Falcons offense. So no issue there. But then at number three, he has Jamison Williams. I have a big issue with that. Do not draft Jamison Williams. Like I said earlier, he's out until at least November. And it was a torn ACL that happened this year in January. That's not what you want. You want them at least a year out, usually two years out of a torn ACL for them to fully recover. Plus, he's getting he's coming into the NFL, which is an upgrade from college, not a downgrade. It's not the same skill level. So I I don't trust Jamison Williams at all. I'm not touching him. I'll look at him in dynasty drafts, but nothing else. Um, then he's got James Cook and Sky Moore to round it out. I'm not going to argue there. Rookies are kind of hard to predict, but like you said, I think Garrett Wilson could sneak in there. You still got Chris Olave and with Alvin Kamara kind of up in the air, Michael Thomas kind of up in the air. He could see some production this year and Christian Watson. If he's actually going to start the year, maybe we see a lot of production out of him. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there because people are nuts. If they think Jamison Williams, is the top three rookie this year. Yeah, I mean, I would say that's a questionable list. I would, I would agree with you. I know you said that you were going to throw a take at me and see what I felt. I would agree with you. It's a, it's a questionable take for sure. <laughs> Come on, Adam Rank. You get paid a lot of money to do this. Do better. So, Deb, I also saw an NFL thing put out. We'll turn this back around on you, and then we'll uh, wrap up here. But um, nine current NFL players that are locks for to be Hall of Famers. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, ooh, JJ Watt. My, how am I doing? Three for three. Keep her going. Okay. Um, hmm. That's don't be tough. looking down how, at that. Don't be looking down at that computer over there. I'm not. I don't have anything pulled up. How many are uh, defensive? How many are offenses of my remainder remaining six? Um, one second. Let me find it again here. Kind of did this. Kind of did this on the fly. So you got Rodgers. He was. Or, so there were three that were called the legends, and you got two of them. Um. Is the last one in the Legends older or younger? Uh, so you've got three more defensive guys on this list here. 
uh, or three defensive guys on this list. Um, and the last Legends guy is younger. Is it Pat? Mahomes? No. Yeah, I know. Okay. Not even on the list. Okay. Okay. Ooh. Should I know one of the defensive guys like that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Is it TJ? N- no. Oh, it's not. Okay. Should I should I still know him like that? All right. I'll just read you some of um so this some is of the commentary here. I gave you rookies. You gave me the entire NFL. But it's like the guys, man, who are just like the There's best. a lot of guys that have shown us some flashes, and you never really know. This person is the greatest defensive football player ever. <laughs> what? According, according to the person who wrote this article and named these nine people. Uh, with all due respect to Lawrence Taylor and Reggie White, this guy is the D-G-O-A-T. Honestly, this... They should name the Defensive Player of the Year award after him. Wow. He's won it three times, but he might as well own it. Defensive Player of the Year active who's won it three times? Oh. (laughs) Okay, Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald is your number three and the last in the Legends category. So we'll move on to the no-brainer category. The first guy on this list, so you got Watt, who is at number five. Uh, The Number four here, it was kind of surprising to me. Um, I'll just read you, and you can stop me when you uh, when you think you know it. If you disagree, you're entitled to your foolish opinion. Over the past eight years, this person has been first-team All-Pro six times and second-team All-Pro twice. He helped bring a team its first Lombardi trophy. Uh, in fact, he did more than help. Um, this person was the heartbeat of one of the most consistent and dominant defenses over a solid stretch of years, a defense that excelled in the offensive era. Um, sure, the, t- the secondary was loaded. Uh, yes, the quarterback was a stud. And yes, the running back is really something to behold. But this person is the best pure, pure football player the C- the, this team has featured during their current coach's tenure. Uh, it's going to be weird seeing him in a new uniform this year. But Bobby watching him. There you go. Okay, I thought I had it, and I was waiting for you to stop talking so I could see if it was the Seahawks, but okay. Uh, And then the last guy, I mean, do you want to guess at any of these? So you got another defensive guy in the no-brainers and then some interesting you betchas. (laughs) All right, just keep giving me the the analysis. I like it. Uh, If Edgebender were in the dictionary, this person's picture would be front and center. The certified sack artist defies physics with the way he explodes off the corner and route to the quarterback. And he gets home with alarming frequency, boasting... I gotta stop you here. Is this one gonna make me mad? I don't think so. Okay, continue. Boasting 115 and a half career sacks. Uh, He logged seven seasons of double-digit sacks. He's not a garbage-time compiler either. Bonafide big game player. Remember Super Bowl 50? Uh, this guy was the MVP with two and a half sacks and two forced fumbles. His first quarter strip sack produced the their team's first score of the game, while his fourth quarter strip sack put the game away. Oh, gosh. What's his freaking name? After getting traded last November. He I know. Had, he plays for, he, he plays for uh, Dallas, doesn't he? No. He delivered nine sacks in 12 games, including four in the Rams postseason contest. That gave him a second Super Bowl ring, and now he's aiming for a third on the team where both of us had our number one quarterback in fantasy. Oh, that's right. He was going to sign with, I can't remember if it was Dallas or the Rams, and then he switched. It was Dallas. Uh, That'd be Von Miller. Okay, I knew, yeah. I knew it was the Broncos in Super Bowl 50. I just didn't know. I couldn't think of his name. All right. All righty. All righty. You betcha. People, I hope you're still with us. But you betcha. There's three of them. As an Associated Press voter, I consistently hear about the fact that this person has never earned an MVP vote. And I have to explain that the voting process doesn't feature a list. You're only allowed to give one name. If there were a list, this person would have votes. 
Initially an overlooked third-round pick in the 2012 NFL Draft, headlined by Andrew Luck and RG3, this person has been a starter since day one, boasting 104-53-1 record and nine Pro Bowl bids over 10 seasons. He's a superstar. I don't really care about his individual stats through his career. 101.8 passer rating isn't too shabby. He's a winner, he's a superstar, and his elusiveness and creativity when the play breaks down is worth the price of admission. As I stated... There's no future casting allowed. This is about where the player stands today. And the writer believes that he has the Canton chops right now. Um, And he thinks he's still just 33. And he's going to have a stellar second act with his new team this year. So all you haters out there will be forced to acknowledge that he's a lock. 33. Hmm. He's a quarterback, and you talked about him today. I didn't. Oh, Mr. Wilson. Yes, indeed. Okay. Wow. I did not, I could not remember that he and Andrew Luck were drafted in the same class. Hmm. All right. Number eight. Next. I know how tough it is for people at his position to get into the hall. Heck, he's still waiting for Steve Tasker to get a Hall of Fame bust. But he knows a true Hall of Famer when he sees one, and this person is unquestionably that. The clutchness, the bombs, the sparkling statistics, it's all there. The most accurate in NFL history is also the best in NFL history. And if the best player ever at a position is in the Hall of Famer, what's the point? Oh, uh, Justin Tucker. Yes, sir. (laughs) I was like, accurate? What are you talking about? Quarterbacks get into the Hall of Fame all the time. Yeah, it says it says clutch kicks, and it also says the most accurate kicker. But I had to like leave that out for. Um, That's fair. Yeah, Justin Tucker should get in. Uh, last one, I'm just gonna give you. It might be a little hard, and I don't want to waste the uh, listeners' time a whole lot longer. Uh, Trent Williams. Hmm. Yeah, I would never have gotten Trent Williams. Alrighty. Well, there you have it. Offensive lineman in NFL history. So some interesting takes. I don't know that I would call Russell Locke for the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of Super Bowl winning quarterbacks who are not in it. Um, if he goes out there and dominates in Denver and gets another Super Bowl by the time he's done, he'll be in. I think so, anyway. All right, Dev. Yes, Anything to say, to say to the people as we go? Um, keep listening. We enjoy doing this, um, and we appreciate that all of you guys are actually listening and sticking through to the end of these episodes. Cody comes up with some crazy things for us to do, making me feel stupid. Um, but we we still enjoy doing it. We like that we're actually getting into fantasy um, draft season, stuff like that. Actual football season, we're super pumped for. Um, we'll actually have football to talk about next week, Cody, because football starts tomorrow. Um, can't can't wait for that and we hope to see you guys next week cody take it away my friend yeah Deb, so um i'm gonna muse on the air here for a second i think next week we talk about uh week one of the preseason but then i think we give the people i mean it might be a little bit longer podcast but i think you and i draft a team together live yeah um we'll we'll join a league and and get that going so that we can we can do that live next week and then um, we'll also get back to our bold predictions, which my wonderful co-host promised you a while back, and we never gave you. We did never do the bold predictions. We'll we'll do that. Um, maybe not next week if we're doing the the mock or the fantasy draft, but the week after for sure. Next two well, weeks, you will see bold predictions. Yeah. Well, we might have some time depending on how long our other people. Maybe we could do like one yeah. a week until the season starts. Sure. Wonderful. All right, people, um, if you're listening, send us an email, roughthepod at gmail.com. Uh, like, subscribe, uh, five-star review, all the good stuff. I'll leave you with some vitriol, as always. There are 12 things to always remember, but I'm only going to give you eight of them because I'm on an eight-week. The past can't be changed. Opinions don't define your reality. Everyone's journey is different. Judgments are not about you. Happiness is found within. Smiles are contagious. Kindness is free. 
and keep roughing the podcast. We'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.